I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. I talk to the people that make the Rochester food and drink scene interesting and go on plenty of tangents along the way. This episode is brought to you by my friends at the Finding Tammy Joe podcast, produced by WXXI and the Democrat and Chronicle. There's six episodes in, it's a really easy binge listen, and I've really learned a lot about a fascinating case from back in the 70s that apparently has fascinated Rochester for a long time. So take a listen, and I hope you enjoy. In episode 48 of the Food About Town podcast, I talked with Max Gordon, Marcus Lanier, and Drew Nye from Blossom Road Pub located on Winton Road. They've been open for about three months, and they're serving locally sourced pub-style food, craft beer, and a pretty nice whiskey selection. Uh, We talked about how they are running a restaurant together, what their experiences were beforehand, and kind of where the restaurant's going in the future. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it out on social media and let me know what you thought. Thanks and have a great week. here so um welcome to the food about town podcast and it is i think it feels like summer already outside even though it's towards the end of may and i'm here with three gentlemen two of which i haven't met before so i will let max over here introduce himself and uh, introduce the topic of the podcast today uh, i'm max gordon i'm sitting here with uh, marcus lanier and drew nye we're partners in the blossom road pub Relatively new pub on the corner of Blossom Road in Witten. Open for three months. We focus mostly on locally sourced farm-to-table food and good craft beers and cocktails. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole farm-to-table thing, obviously, it's people call it played out, but, I mean, it really is kind of the standard now for a restaurant. If you're opening something new and you're not doing farm-to-table, you're kind of behind the times. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and you know, our food is still a pretty simple menu, pretty straightforward presentations. Yeah, uh, we just focus on getting really high quality ingredients, uh, letting the gre- ingredients speak for themselves in a way that is presented with a little finesse from the the chef. I, I don't want to take anything away from our excellent kitchen team; they yeah. do a great job. But it, it's a pretty simple, uh, straightforward menu. So, you know, pretty straightforward presentations. Well, you know what? And that's that's something that's not, it's kind of forgotten about. It doesn't have to be fancy presentation. doesn't have to be fancy food right. to be sourced properly, to be, um, you know, to bring in good bread or bake your own bread or whatever yeah. you're doing. Um, that that's Those kind of things are important. It's the little things, especially with what turns out to be 
Um, I mean, straightforward pub style food. I mean, I saw the menu. It's, you know, explain the menu yeah, a little bit. Philly cheesesteaks, French dip, you know, turkey Reuben. Again, it's all comfortable food that isn't too intimidating, but it's executed on a higher level. Yeah. You know, which people definitely notice, you know. You can go anywhere and get a burger, but you get a locally sourced burger with local beef, you taste the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, go ahead. I I think an excellent example of our philosophy is the braised beef poutine. It's um, locally sourced potatoes. They come from Williams Farm in Marion. So I've know. heard of that farm before. Yeah, I know they, they put out a lot of potatoes for yeah, Rochester. It's right there. you know. So we get those in whole, slice them in-house, fry them in-house, uh, make the gravy f- from scratch, of course, braise the poutine or braise the beef in-house. You know, the cheese curds are, are Yancey's Fancy's local. Yep. Um, I've met John a couple times. He's a nice guy. So, you know, I, I, I think that really encapsulates what we're trying to do. You know, it's, it's still... Essentially, fries with gravy, but yeah, you know, homemade sauces, uh, local ingredients, you know, th- that are also farmed in in a, a responsible manner. No, which I appreciate, and that's it's an easy thing because you can just bring in people and serve them food, and you don't have to talk about it. Absolutely, right. Now, I was that's talking the easier way. Yeah, I mean that, that is it. There's something to be said. <laughs> That when we started this, that we tried really hard to do, realizing that as we're going to be there a lot and hire good staff, people like to hear the story. They don't just like to hear that you got it off a truck and you served them food. They like to hear the background. I mean, we have potatoes, we've got fruits and vegetables, we have meat that we've all been, we use Headwater Food Hub and we've all been to the food hub. Yeah, I had and, a, I had Phil in here from yeah, Headwater Phil's Food awesome. uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, and you know, really informative. I mean, it, it it's a great service, and you know, they've started to wrap in uh, Kevin McCann from McCann's yeah. with that some of the meat sources. Partnership's huge, but really, we've been to the food hub. Yeah, we, all our food is from farm to table within a couple of days. Right there's when you go to the food hub, you see all all the fruits and vegetables and meats, f- how quickly they use it. It makes you think about what goes into the foods that last on the shelf for three weeks, four weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it kind of it gets more and more disgusting the more and more you think about it. It's like, how is that ground beef red for two weeks when the ground beef <laughs> we're using browns in 48 hours? Right. I mean, that's natural. And it, it's still, it's not even bad at that point. It's just, it changes right. color. Right. But you go that, to neon, that neon red color you see in the supermarket is just... Right. It shouldn't right. be that way. For no. an infinite amount of time, it goes from neon red to mold. Right. <laughs> It, yeah, there's something wrong with that. Yeah, and it's weird when it's the same color as your like neon red T-shirt. And you're like, <laughs> oh, this—it's not how it is, except for like right out. It's like right out of the cow, and that's yeah. about it. Right. Oh man. But we gotta give a lot of credit to you know Headwater. They they certainly make it a lot easier than driving out to Marion and you know, absolutely and dealing with the farmers directly. Yeah, we we talked about that, and I think that's um, this this is the extension of what they are doing. Is a place like a place like Blossom Road Pub. I mean, that it's a perfect extension of what Headwater's doing is somebody who wants to source local but doesn't want to visit you know let's um, uh, where, where's your beef do they say or they do they run uh, uh, Naples Sweet, okay Sweetgrass Farms okay so I mean you don't have to go out there or go to Seven Bridges or right. go to somewhere else yeah to get your beef right because you could do that but in the past everybody who did this 
you know, the pioneers of farm to table and not just, you know, Lento and some of the good luck stuff back in the day. I mean, having to go out and make all those relationships, this makes it easy for somebody who wants to do it right. But you're also, you're serving, you're serving food, straightforward food for people too. This is Phil great. Phil sold it for us when we met with Phil when we were first talking about doing this. We, we were a little hesitant when we first opened up. We knew we wanted to do it, but there was always that myth that farm to table is grossly more expensive than your distributor. It just, that's was the myth. So we sat down with Phil and Phil made us feel significantly more comfortable going with him. And then he said, he goes, listen, you guys have a restaurant to run. You don't want to worry about farms and farmers have farms to run and they don't want to worry about the books. They're not good at that. That's why they're farmers. Right. And we're not good at farming, so we don't have the time or the resources to go to every individual farm. And that's what Headwaters enabled us to do. No, that's great. I mean, it's, you know, I, I didn't know. I kind of figured that it might be this way. But the the more I talk about it, the more that I meet people in the business that are starting up new things, the more excited I get about the concept. Because I hear the story from you guys. And that's exciting. Because 10 years ago, you couldn't have done what you're doing today without so much more effort. Right. Absolutely. And it's, it's just truly exciting. It's nice to be able to provide that quality of product for the neighborhood, too. Yeah. I mean, we're first and foremost a neighborhood pub. So we want to make sure we're supplying our clientele with the best possible product. Yeah. We all are in or you know, work in the service industry. So we know what it's like to go out after work and want to get a good meal because you've probably been serving good food all night and you're stuck with, you know, a frozen burger or chicken wings. So mm-hmm. right. it's right. nice to know that people walk in and it's like, this is going to be a good meal for you tonight, even yeah. if it's simple. Even if it's just a Philly cheesesteak, you're going to say, wow, this was a really good Philly cheesesteak. Yeah. yeah. My, my wife and I can never find, you know, like Marcus was saying, it's hard to find a decent meal after even after 9 o'clock. Oh, it's rough, yeah. Um, so that's always been a you know key philosophy of ours as well is to have the full full menu available until one o'clock. Oh, that's know, huge! Seven I mean, days a week too. So yeah, you know that's now that I know that that's probably going to be a problem for me. <laughs> so <laughs> people get excited when they hear that. Like yeah. People call at ten thirty and they be like, "Please, is your kitchen open? Like it's open for another two and a half hours?" And they're like, "Oh my god, yeah, what can I get?" I mean, it really is a hole in the market, generally speaking. I mean, we're we're terrible at late night food. There's yeah. you know such a small selection of places that serve food late, and those that do, very few are actually worth going to. Right. Um, and actually, I do want to pivot a little bit because the reason I came into the place at first was I was in for some sporting thing, but I had read about it because it's in the North Winton Village, which. Although there are restaurants on here, it's been it's kind of static. It's been a very static area, other than you know the all these construction <laughs> controversy yeah, right. over the last you know maybe two years since we've been looking around this area. Pretty static when it comes to restaurants. Pretty static when it comes to businesses. And I was excited to see something come in, and then having read about it made me even more excited. Um, what you know, I, I kind of want to go into like what how you guys started, what your roles are, what got you guys excited to start a restaurant? Uh, we'll take it way back, actually. I like that. I love it. <laughs> so there's actually a fourth partner as well, okay. Maurice Kosminski, who was unable to come today. Sure. So Drew and Maurice have known each other for a long time, and Drew and Marcus have known each other for a long time. And 
my mom actually taught Marcus at School of the Arts. Oh. So we're going way, <laughs> way back. Wow. And Marcus and I worked together at Black and Blue. Okay. And from what I've heard from Marcus, it, Marcus's biggest dream was to open a restaurant with one of his best friends, Drew. So Marcus and I were working together at Black and Blue, <laughs> and I was bartending at JoJo a few nights a week. Sure. And he came in. I was looking to buy a food truck, and he sat down at the bar, and he said, forget the food truck idea. What if we bought a bar? And I was like, I'll quit right now. Whatever you want. <laughs> Let's go and do this. Yeah, we, we, we call Max a bulldog. Cause if you give him a task, it's done yesterday. Like, so, so he came in. I was like, absolutely. Yeah. And then him and I started talking about it, and we went to see Drew. And we sat down and we sat and Marcus explained to me how he was good friends with Drew. Let's bring him on board. And Drew looked at me and he said, I have just had a baby. I never want you to bring this up to me again. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> so I, I think it was like one month old at the time. Oh God. I probably had zero hours of sleep the night before. <laughs> yeah. I was at work. Yeah. That's fantastic. Maybe. I don't take no very well either. <laughs> so after figuring it out and deciding that this was a really good location, a really good opportunity. Yeah. And once Drew and Mo got to know me a little better and I got to know them a little better, we realized that the four of us would make a really good team. Well, I, that's the interesting part. So you got four guys who are, you know, loosely collected as a group of friends in some form or another or experience in working together. H- how do the roles play out? I mean, you got four different guys and that that's the... When you hear about friends starting a business together or people that haven't run a business together before, that's where you hear the controversy. That's where you hear the problems. How have you guys broken up the roles? How does that work? And how is it working? Going into it, we all we all decided that, you know, Drew and Mo also own Rome Cafe on Park Avenue. Okay, beautiful. So they they already have something going on. You know, Max is fresh out of college, so he's got a lot of free time. I have two small children, but I've always worked in the service industry. So you know, my schedule wouldn't really change that much. And, you know, we complement each other in that, you know, when I can't be there, Max is there. You know, Max is really on top of it all and filling us in and letting us know, you know, what's going on. And when there is an issue, we sit down and talk it out as a group. So nobody really feels like they're ousted or they're getting left out of something or not making decisions. And we have a mutual respect for one another in that way, too, where it's, I'm not going to do something without running it by these guys and vice versa. Gotcha. Our communication's phenomenal. I mean, like Marcus was saying, our personalities are different enough where I'm incredibly anal and organized. I fully admit that. (laughs) And so it is like the bookkeeping naturally fell to me, but I'm relatively young. So I don't have the experience of managing people that Drew and Marcus have. They've right. been managers, Drew's an owner. I mean, I, I don't have that experience. So I've learned a lot and allowed them to take the reins on the managing the staff, the day-to-day operations, and learned a tremendous amount because I don't have that knowledge. Right. So instead of kidding all of ourselves that we know everything, it's kind of like <laughs> let, e- let, let yeah. each person do what they do best yeah. and, tru- and trust, trust right. each other. Well, I think that would have to be a big thing too, Drew. I mean, that you've owned a business before. And, you know, being able to sort of bring that experience to the table. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, like you said, at the beginning, I was daunted by the the prospect of having a second place. uh, But from the beginning, they 
convinced me and have have held true to the fact that they have taken the lead on the day to day operation of it. Um, and Maurice and I just kind of lend our experience and network and. Well, you know that's that's not a bad place to be either. I mean, that, it it helps when you've got two guys and you've got guys that are motivated to Absolutely. be the day to day. Because not everybody can be day to day. Because if everybody was, right. that's four guys managing right. a place and four guys trying to manage something at the same time, yeah. just doesn't work from right. a guy perspective. No. It, it just doesn't work. <laughs> Absolutely. From a human I, nature perspective, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, and, and I think even the staff has recognized that, you know, for day-to-day type things, they go and speak to Marcus and Max, and, um, you know, when bigger things come up, that's when these guys kind of come to Maurice and myself, and, yeah. you know, then we kind of tackle it as a group, <coughs> but, it, you know, we, we don't need to be uh, included in every single decision. Well, you know, I, I think that that comes to what you're talking about, Max, with, with trust, with you guys really spending that time to figure that out. Because so many times you hear about the you know the micromanaging from the owners that aren't day to day, right? Where they're still pushing all the micromanaging stuff, yeah. and it just that's where you hear kitchens that go crazy when they're getting micromanaged yeah. by an owner that's not there every day. Right. I, I think we also do an excellent job of presenting a you know a unified front, and um, you know I, I've I've seen ownership situations where one owner will say one thing and the other owner will say something different, and the managers pulling their hair out, trying to balance between the two. You know, the, so we, we do. As Max said, you know, we communicate with each other really well, and um, because of that, we're able to to give a a singular message to the staff. Sure. So, yeah, I'd like to dive into the backgrounds a little bit. So, so Max, you you they mentioned you're you're like right out of college, like two weeks ago, graduated. Two weeks. You actually just graduated two weeks ago. Yeah, I walked across the stage at Fisher two weeks. I graduated in December, but I walked across the wow. stage two weeks ago. <laughs> so, you, so you've been you're working and managing a restaurant during college. Uh because I was done with classes in December, there was okay three weeks where I was done before we opened up. <laughs> three weeks. <laughs> so related field, I hope, or is this like, or is this completely change of direction? No, this is what I wanted to do. This so is, what did you, uh, you go for in school? Business management. Okay. So accounting, finance. So this is gotcha. exactly what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to own a restaurant. That was a food truck. It was going to be that springboard to a restaurant. And I talked Marcus, a lot of it. <laughs> Marcus helped me skip that stuff. So, I mean, I'm just interested. Do, do you know what the concept was? For the food truck? Yeah. Or, yeah, is, it, or is it still a, No, secret? an Asian walkery, a walk and roll it was going to be called. Oh, my God. That, all that, those <laughs> giant burners with the propane. I can just imagine those huge flames in the back of a food truck in the summertime. It would have been like 130 degrees yes, back this there. This is way better bartending. <laughs> it's way better. <laughs> I, can, I can just picture it now, that heat. Oh. No, that's, that's cool. I mean, it's, one, I like the idea, minus the crazy heat in the summertime. So what what drew you to food originally? What was what was the drive? My first job was uh, catering company. Uh, we I worked for Hilltop Catering. We did a couple horse shows, uh, Stewart Horse tri- Trials, Walnut Hill, and then I did the Jazz Fest for Max of Eastman. And I just kind of fell in love with the whole industry. When were you at the the Max Group? Two thousand and nine through two thousand twelve. Okay. And then I worked at the Chop House for a little bit as well. Which is really cool. I mean, it's not... Actually, I'll take that back. It is not a cool restaurant. 
in any way, shape, <laughs> yeah. or form. But it is a well done restaurant. Yes. And it's like the classic steakhouse, right. you know, old school service. Mm. Not Small, fancy, no. right? Not fancy decoration. It is classic from top to bottom. Yeah, and There's, so I learned a lot. But I was I was a little young when I worked there. I was a, a I'm a little young back now. Then. <laughs> back, back then, yeah. I was back, back then, yeah. The the, the one from Drew over there was like, oh my god, five years ago. So that whole yeah. fine dining was a little overwhelming. So I took a step back, worked at Don's Original, worked at Moe's for high school. Sure, got that fast casual industry out of my system, and then because of my mom's connection with Marcus. I was looking for a job. There was an opening at Black and Blue and he got me a job. Mm. And Drew, a couple a month ago, right when we had opened up, had turned to all of us and said, what do you love about owning your own place? Yeah. And it was kind of cool because we all had different feelings about why we love it. And I love having a place that people come and enjoy themselves. I right. mean, nowadays it's expensive to go out. No matter where you go. Even McDonald's is expensive to Absolutely. grab a burger and fries. And you can stay in your own place for significantly less money. But if you choose the Blossom Road Pub, you're guaranteed to have the night of your life, even on a Tuesday. And that's because like we it. all care about that. I mean, we understand. We go out ourselves. We love it. But when you choose Rome or the Blossom Road Pub, we understand that. It's not an easy decision with how many places you can go. And so we're going to make sure that you never forget the time you have at our place. And that's yeah. why I love it. No, that's great. I, I like that optimism, yeah. that, that positivity, you know. One of the biggest compliments that I've gotten at the pub so far is, you know, people saying, like, it's so comfortable. Yeah. Like, they, they feel good. They feel safe. They feel like they can have a good time. We're usually having a good time when we're, you know, behind the bar or just there in general. So it's it's nice to get that energy back, you know. Yeah. So, so Marcus, what, what's what's your background? Where were? Um, I've always been in the service industry. I started in high school at Jines on Park Avenue, which actually. is a crazy busy place. Yeah, all the a, time. I was a bus boy there. I think I made it like three months before they gave me the axe. <laughs> um, and then I went and worked at Tuvine, and I was okay. there for seven years. So those were what what kind of time frame? Because I mean, Two Vines kind of a. Uh, I was there from like two thousand and, well, yeah, like two thousand to two thousand and six or seven. I mean, it's kind of the. I mean, I don't want to say that it's the heyday because it's yeah, it's it still coming heyday. up and it's changing now, to a different concept. But I mean, that was when Two Vine was the fine dining right. place, one of the fine dining places in Rochester. Yeah, it was always cranking there. It was great, and I mean, I started as a busboy, and when I left, I was the bar manager, so I. Totally worked my way up the ranks, did everything but cook, but it's an open kitchen, so you learn if you want to. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's huge, though. I mean, a lot of people come to the service industry through culinary school or through other places, but to get that organic growth through, you kind of have a lot of respect for what came, what's yeah. what's below you now. But, I mean, not below you doing it, but, you know, if you're managing well, all right. the other people, you have you've done it. And, you know, even after Tuvine, I've been to several other places, Tornado's and Mundo Grill and, you know, Black and Blue. Sure. And it does, when I'm talking to employees or people that I work with, it's always a, I won't ever ask you to do anything that I won't do or haven't done myself. I mean, what was it, two weeks ago, I am got gloves on pulling out toilet paper out of the toilet because someone decided that was cool. You know, but it's like, you know, I could have said, hey, you do this, but I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty, you know? Yeah. So you were, you ended up in the bar part of the program mostly? 
Uh, yeah, I, I more fell in love with being behind the bar. That's where I was most comfortable. I did enjoy serving tables. I just wasn't 100% about being at the mercy of the people sitting at the tables all the time. <laughs> right. So behind the bar, you, you know, you're, you're kind of a little more control. You know, you can sort of manipulate people's attitudes. Alcohol yeah. is really good for that. <laughs> um, Everybody wants to be your enemy when you serve. Everyone wants to be your best friend when you bartend. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, let, let's go into that a little bit. Obviously, you know, the name is Blossom Road Pub, so alcohol is a big part of what you guys do. What's the to explain to the people what what's the vibe of the bar program at Blossom Road? What's the what's the style? It's very Scotch bourbon whiskey based. Okay, um, but in that there's something for everyone. Our beer program is really crafty, kind of heavier on the IPAs, but we've left ourselves room to switch that up seasonally and bring some lighter stuff on in the summer, heavier in the winter, things like that. Um, the cocktail program is pretty basic. We really didn't want to get too much into the crafty cocktails with syrups and you know sugars and sprinkles and stuff. So we kept that pretty streamlined. Yeah. Um, and then we got our blossom shots, which is just something for everyone. $3 shots. You get seven different choices. And, you know, that can that can equal a really fun time. Oh, I'm sure. See, it's, it's weird. Like, I, I only started drinking, like, two or three, I guess it's, like, two years ago now. So did I. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for different <laughs> for reasons, for different, though. Right, different, <laughs> different reasons. Um, so I only started then. So, like, my, my focus is always on the uh, quality over quantity. So, like, when I, when I walked in for the first time, I saw the, you know, the scotch selection, the whiskey selection. I'm like, oh, this is actually notable for a place like this. You know, if you go into the Refresher or you go into the Revelry or Cure, you expect that. But walking right. into ostensibly a neighborhood neighborhood bar and grill, essentially, I mean, when you're just bringing it down to it, you don't expect a relatively high-end selection of scotch on the menu. And that's why we kept the craft cocktails to a minimum because, sure. again, we're not a cocktail bar. We have, when we're bartending and... We've been really fortunate with our staff that are incredibly competent. So we're able to make you anything you want. But no one's walking in to the neighborhood pub and expecting six different ingredients in their cocktail. Manhattans, old fashions. We can make the classics and we can make whatever you want because we have the ingredients. But no one's looking there for $15 cocktails on the list. Right. And And it's it's also an extension of kind of the same philosophy as the food in which, you know, we're just... Getting high quality ingredients and letting the ingredients, you know, shine through and not uh, manipulating it too much. Yeah, know? I mean, I like I'm all for the creativity that comes with the the high end cocktail scene. I mean, I spent a a good amount, if not too much, time at the Rochester Cocktail Revival a couple weekends ago. But at the same time, oftentimes what I want is a is a good Negroni or a good old fashioned, you know, simple delicious okay. cocktails and if you get a negroni and you you know i saw that even the gin selection was pretty strong you know you can get uh what did I, I saw tommy roger gin on the menu uh buffalo product that, that's great to see i love that you you can get local spirits there and it sort of plays into the whole local right. local concept as well right the farm to table some people stop that in the kitchen but with upstate new york there's a wealth of incredible spirits and Beer. I mean, we've got local gins. We've got a lot of local beers. Actually, three 
four out of our six lines on our draft are local. It's Jenny, it's Naked Dove, Roar Box, and Three Heads. Right. And they're all, it's not like we're slacking by going local. Right. So why not support the local businesses when they're comparable, if not better, to what you can get when you get a non-local product? Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things that when you talk to people, and I had um, uh, somebody on who's sort of a Finger Lakes wine uh, snob, Finger Lakes wine nerd, and he does the same thing with wine where he sees a menu. is like, why aren't you carrying some of these cool products? And I always appreciate that from a, from a bar perspective. If you have beer, I mean, you don't have to have everything. I understand that and because there's so much selection out there nowadays right. from around the country, and there's so much craft going on that it's it's exciting to try new things. It's exciting to go elsewhere. But when you do have the locals, when you got the staples here, I mean, why, why would you want to serve Budweiser when you can serve Jenny? We right. had Blue Light on draft, yeah. and it was our worst-selling draft. And now we brought Jenny Light on draft, and it's one of our best-selling drafts. Well, it's fantastic. And it's not even it's, yeah. And it's kind of like, why not? And we sat down and we said, why are we supporting a brand that isn't right down the street? It doesn't yeah. matter for sales, but if we're going to switch it up, let's switch it up to something that's down the street we can support. And it's worked out incredibly well for us. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the talk about the environment overall. So this is a sports-friendly sports friendly bar, right? I mean, I was there watching the NFL draft. Um, seems like that's going to be a good uh, Sunday, Sunday football day place as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely part of the yeah, intent. Yeah, so we'll get the Sunday NFL ticket up. We'll uh, every big game we'll play the. I mean, people come expecting there to be TV, so we made sure that there was every. No matter where you sit, you could view a TV. We're more than happy to put the sound of a game on. I mean, we're all sports fans to some degree. Yeah, and we listen to the same Pandora station <laughs> all week. <laughs> so if we can change it up and put a game on and hear some commentary. We had the Syracuse game. Every game they were playing, we had. Uh, packed bar so yeah. we'll support it yeah so fun i mean i'm a big syracuse fan so to have you know a bar full of people it's like all right you know i i can get into it yeah and, it's right? fun not I mean, be the distracted bartender you know <laughs> we just, people welcome it and you yeah. start watching a game on a big game and no one's like why why aren't you pouring my drink they're like yeah. they're yeah they're cheering <laughs> it was awesome yeah. when syracuse awesome. beat UNC, we bought a round of shots for the whole bar. And I yeah. had somebody come up to me and they're like, I've never been to a bar where the bartenders have gotten more into the game than the patrons. Like, yeah. yeah, We're shouting and cheering and losing our minds. And then everybody feels like it's okay for them to shout and cheer and yeah. lose their minds. Yeah. So they forget they're out. It turns into like they're just sitting in the living room yelling at the TV yeah. with 100 people surrounding them. Right. You know, and it, it's it's one of those things that most of the time I'm focusing on the – you know, I'm focusing on the the execution of food. I'm focusing on the other stuff. But when it comes to a neighborhood place like this where you're doing, where you're still sourcing, where you're still doing good stuff, that kind of stuff is important, having that, you know, having the environment for people, right. being able yeah. to have a good time. And it's, I, I always appreciate, even though it's not for, these places aren't for everybody. Sure. You know, that place isn't for everybody. The revelry is not for everybody. Um, you know, it's it's different places for different people, but you can still deal with the local source stuff at a place that you're comfortable with. You just want to go watch a game and buy a cheesesteak. Well, you're you get the best cheesesteak. There you go. <laughs> right. Which I, 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 I love that idea. Yeah. So 
so Drew, what's what's been for you the difference between? I mean, your Rome Cafe is on Park Ave. It is. Um, Park Ave is such a different environment than than Winton. What's been the biggest thing for you seeing the difference between the two areas? Um, I mean, both places, I we get a lot of support from the immediate neighborhood. Um, but you know, with the Boston Road Pub, I I think I I'm able to let down my hair a little bit more. Uh, it's just kind of a, a little different dynamic. It's more, I mean, I've been really, really pleased with the the volume of food they were selling um, because I thought it was just going to be a, a neighborhood bar that we sold some food and people have really embraced our food service, our menu and, <clears throat> you know, execution, all of it. So that surprised me mm-hmm. and it's been awesome. Um but at, at its heart, in, in my mind, it's still a bar that has food as opposed to at Rome, it's it's a restaurant that has a bar. Um, so I, I think in my mind, it's, it's just a little more a little more fun at Blossom Road, um, it's, you know, especially for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, part- as an understatement. I, 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 I have a good time <laughs> when I go to Blossom. It, yeah. it's, it's a little more formal dynamic uh, with the guests. Sure. At Rome, and uh, you know, we still have fun over there, but it, it's, it's a not, different expectation. Yeah, when people walk in the door. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, and it, and Park Ave has this distinct feel to it, certainly. you know. And you're kind of away from that. And although Winton's Winton's tough, it's not really a walking neighborhood. Yeah, at least not very much. Well, that's the beauty of you know where we're located. So many people are like, I live right up the street. I have some place to walk to now, as where before they they didn't go to the old place and the wind the Winton there and the Winfield are just a touch too far. Yeah. You know? So they're like, oh, I live three streets down. I can just walk here. This is great. And it, where before they would hop in their car and drive the quarter mile. And it alleviates there. a lot of people's worries because people will, even if they don't f- maybe feel like walking, they'll drive. And while we don't have a lot of immediate parking spaces right around, CVS has given us permission to leave cars overnight. And then Julian's has been awesome about parking. And then this New York State inspection as well. You can leave cars overnight on the weekends. Mm. So people will come. We'll talk to them. They'll finally get the feel of it. And they'll be like, oh, my God. And they'll, before they know it, they'll have such a good time. They'll be walking home and walking back to pick their car up the next morning. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. And that's, that is, I mean, I know I've, I've talked to people recently that have had controversies over parking. You know, people yelling and screaming. People do want parking in Rochester still. No doubt about it. Um, and especially in a neighborhood that's, you know, it's not super walkable. There's, you get it, there's a good crowd around that area, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm, you know, a three minute drive, but for me to walk there would be sort of an undertaking yeah. right. from here, even though I'm ostensibly in the neighborhood right. or right on the edge of the neighborhood, anyways. Um, so I guess one of the other things I wanted to tackle was, like when you guys go out before this, obviously you've got, you know, Drew, you've got your place. But when you when you were going out before, what were the kind of places that you hit in Rochester, and what what sort of inspired you? Obviously, beyond like where you used to work, we hit a tremendous amount of places in Rochester. <laughs> Market research, if you will. Yeah, uh, we even drove down to Philadelphia to test their cheesesteaks. Awesome. The four of us, we made a one night road trip. Yeah. We had, 
14 different places and somehow we ate 16 cheese 14 steaks. different places yeah, yeah. In, 24 <laughs> in 24 hours wow um, that's impressive so we we tried to make sure that we hit every possible bar that we could get any idea from to make sure that we hit every facet of a really good neighborhood bar wow 14 i mean in philly's that that kind of place where there's so many neighborhood yeah. places that it's kind of ingrained like we we were okay here but i think there's a really ingrained in the neighborhoods where you can't get away from them you know places you know new york's got them and philly's got them but i think philly it feels philly's, like a neighborhood place new york's very busy and it's huge yeah. philly's still got that neighborhood like people love where they come from and so when we went down there Every bar had that distinct characteristic that you could tell the people there had made it their own. And yeah. that was kind of what stuck out to us. Is like, we want it to be, we went with dark wood. So it was comfortable. I mean, a lot of bars nowadays feel like they need to do these stainless steel or glass or ceramic bar tops. And it looks cool for a week. And then people put their elbows on it in the winter and it's freezing or it's hot in the summer. <laughs> and they don't think about stuff like that. I mean, yeah. they just don't. And so we try to make it classic we didn't do anything none of us are interior designers by trade so we didn't try and do something we weren't we just try to make it comfortable and homey and I yeah, we took elements from the how how many places do you guys think we went other than cheesesteaks no I, like total uh, 20 research. oh oh everywhere I, I was, probably I gonna, 30 40 I, yeah i was gonna say 50 wow I mean, we went to a lot of bars in those couple months when we were kind of developing we were getting to know each other yeah absolutely well i mean that definitely helps <laughs> it does i mean there's nothing like going to 50 different bars to, to get to know each other now, now we're all best friends it's great <laughs> no i mean that, that's and that's great and i appreciate that and it's doing that kind of research gives you a better idea what you want i know when we when we were looking for houses i didn't we probably looked at 40 different houses, 40, yeah. 45 houses, because I really wanted to know what I didn't want. Yeah. So what, what was, I mean, you talked about the bar tops. What were some of those other pitfalls you saw going around to bar-like restaurants? Foot rails. It sounds so silly, and it sounds so simple to solve it, but we went, we <laughs> spent way too, it's an embarrassing amount of hours discussing what the foot rail would be like, yeah. what height, what distance from the bar it should be, because I'm average height drew's a little taller so you get the chairs with foot rails my foot might be comfortable on it his might and a woman's might not even hit it right so we spent so many hours figuring out the best design for the foot rail something that most people don't even realize right because you, we'd go to a bar and you'd put your foot down and it starts dangling and you're like i can't sit here yeah this, and is, this is annoying after an hour and yeah. you don't want i mean we put chargers under the bar oh that's so huge no one ever has to leave yeah <laughs> yeah you just USB ports right on the face of the bar. You know, you know, it's it's one of those dumb things, but that hooks, hooks footrests, and it's. And I'm gonna say my wife uses she uses them more than I do because she's got a purse, but she notices when they don't have a hook. She notices when the bar stools are uncomfortable. You know, that's that's a huge thing, yeah. and it's one of those details where, you know, it's it makes a big difference. If you want somebody to be comfortable, if you want somebody to hang out. I mean, we wrapped the entire bar in a three-inch cup rail because we went to a couple bars, and after 15 minutes of holding a glass, all the ice is melted, and your hand's cold. Yeah. that It seems silly, but you can put it down and have a conversation, and then right behind the bar, instead of three inches, we went with six and a half inches, 
so you could put our fry baskets on there. So if you're watching a game and the bar is full, you're not sitting there eating your burger and fries with your glass. You have a nice place to set it and hooks right underneath so you can stand and watch the game comfortably. <laughs> it really you know, was all in the the details, you know, as far as us and our market research. And it wasn't like we said, oh, we don't want to do that. Oh, we don't. It was like a collective like, hey, notice that. Let's not do that. Yeah. Or, that's really cool. We got to do that. And, and executing we, it. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, that's, and making it seamless. Right. So, like, when I walked in, you don't notice those right. things. But that I guess that's the point. You're not supposed right. to notice that it's done right. It should just be done right. Yeah, someone asks you for a charger and you just hand them the cord. And yeah. you go, oh, so I don't confused. have the little thing. And you go, no, no, it's a USB. <laughs> and I go, oh, my God, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. It's we like, did all the work ourselves, which enabled us to do it. I mean, we didn't hire out any of the construction. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, we were really fortunate with the people that helped us, but we would sit there and we'd start cutting a piece of wood and we'd get a wall done and we'd stop and look back and be like, that doesn't look right. So we'd rip it apart and redo it the right way. <laughs> I mean, there were days when there would be just hours conversation about something so simple. Yeah. So very, very simple. analytical. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, I appreciate that. I'm an engineer by trade. So that's like that attention to detail means something to me because if I want to go somewhere, that's, like, I mean, that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard is to put chargers under the bar. But one of the best things I've ever heard. <laughs> because that's such a big deal nowadays. Yeah. If somebody yeah. doesn't have yeah. their phone. They leave. Right. They leave. I mean, they don't, they, they leave. They stop, they stop hanging out and having a good time and they leave. Yeah. And you, you, when, when you're not part of the construction, you give someone blueprints of what you want done and they do it to those blueprints. And no blueprint from the start is a perfect blueprint. And that's the thing. That's why you... In a lot of places, you see stuff where you, you think about it. Once it's together, you're like, oh, I wish you would just change that a little bit. But again, the builder, they're just doing what you told them. But when you're there and you get halfway done, you're like, oh, it, we need to move this six inches this way or we need to do this. We can make the decision right then and there and do it as we're doing it. I mean, yeah. Marcus tiled the men's room bathroom. He taught himself how to tile. And you start doing things you grout it this way also it doesn't look right or the bathroom divider was a half an inch too short so we got to learn how to do a bunch of cool things but to make sure everything seamlessly fit together and we did it all on the fly so we you don't notice the small details yeah which is what you want absolutely so i guess i'm gonna go into scotch nerdery now because that's like one of my favorite new things so you guys are behind the bar. Whether it's scotch or whiskey or bourbon, I don't really care. I said scotch, but it's all really whiskey-based. What are you excited about right now? In what, what's, your, what's your go-to when somebody says, hey, I want a bourbon or I want a scotch? What's your go-to thing to recommend to people right now? Journeyman. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would have to be it. We, we purchased <laughs> a barrel, five-gallon barrel of journeyman um, whiskey. Okay. And it's equal parts... Um, I can never remember, but corn, wheat, and the other two rise. Really good. Um, so we got the whole barrel. They bottled it for us. It's exclusive for us. And so people get really excited about that. You know, it's on top of the cooler, and it's got a little tag on it. And, you know, it's one of those things that you're not going to find everywhere, really. Um, we're very fortunate to have had the opportunity to get it ourselves. So sure. I think that would be the, like, you have to try this. Yeah, that's the go-to right yeah. now. And it's nice to have something unique, too. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I've been the more I've div- dove into the the world of Scotch and stuff, the more intrigued I get. You know, and it's 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 a hard barrier to entry, somewhat too. Yeah, a lot of challenging flavors, a lot of different stuff, and it took me a little while, but and at the same time, sometimes it's nice to go somewhere and you can try something at somewhere where they care, like right. what you guys are doing. I mean, and the two things that we've done, I think, really well is we all work, so we have no problem. There's no. When, when you're a bartender and you're not an owner, you're constantly concerned about what are the owners going to think if I do this. So if you come in, you're like, listen, I want to try the journeyman. I don't know. We'll give you a shot of it. You can sip it. You can try it because we have the freedom to do that. <laughs> and the other thing that we've just now added is we're doing dinners, tasting dinners. Sure. So w- it's given a little freedom for us to invite people of like, hey, listen, you're new to scotch we're doing a scotch class like father's day we're doing a scotch class a scotch from each region of scotland mm, that's not a, that's one particular brand but if you're new we had a couple guys say hey i don't really know scotch that well would you mind i'm like yeah and we we created it come check it out you get to know then if you like one region more than the other hang out have a good time and that's kind of the freedom that we have as owners is we get to educate not only ourselves but other people in that too yeah no, I like that idea a lot. That makes, because it, it, like I said, it's a bit of a challenging, daunting task to get into it. If you, even if you just started with bourbon, jumping right. into scotch is just right. so diverse and so big that yeah. doing something like that, doing a you know a tasting of all the different regions, really gives you some sort some more of a baseline. That's yeah. that's a cool idea. I like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, we've had several right. classes <laughs> and and tastings. So even since we've been open, you know, so we're always trying to learn more and, you know, be be uh, well-informed bartenders. Well, I think that does make a big difference when you are working behind the bar, too. Right. Because it kind of gives you, it gives you a home in the place. And, you know, everybody sees you doing that job as well. We're incredibly invested. It, I mean, it's an understatement, but, I mean, again... When you bartend, you come in, you could love what you do, but when you go home at the end of the night, you're just going home. When we go home at the end of the night, we're thinking about the pub. (laughs) We're thinking about the pub. I mean, we are. It's constantly in our minds. So it's a different conversation, and it's it's a completely different level of investment you have when you're bartending and owning because you have that whole ownership side that you're really worried about the overall picture. And then when you bartend, you get to see that day-to-day operation, and you really have a connection with everybody coming in. Right. So where, where do you – I mean, obviously, this is relatively new. You said three months. Where, where do you see the direction going? Where do you see the, you know, the food, any creativity stuff? Obviously, you're just getting your – kind of getting your legs underneath you still. Do you have any goals when it comes to the food that's different from what you're doing now? Any thoughts of the future? I, I – we also do a special board every week, and I think that has been a great testing ground for, you know, like we're getting into more entrees now. We did um, a pork chop that our st- our chef, Tim Stevens, executed really well uh, with some, some various various presentations with, you know, homemade sauces. and mm. um, So I, I kind of see us going in more. And that also goes back to to how I talked about the response for the food has been amazing. Um, 
you know, it's to the point now where people are actually calling ahead to reserve tables because they're bringing their family in for dinner. And uh, so I, I think because of that, then I kind of see us doing more entrees and, um, you know, still keep it simple, but. Yeah. We've I mean, been, yeah, the, the nice thing is I can I can bring my dad there. My dad is a completely non-adventurous eater. Yeah. And he's going to get something he likes. Right. And that that's that's huge. Even if he gets a pork chop, I mean, he can enjoy that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we're getting we're getting the trust of the people in the neighborhood. I mean, we had a, we had a chicken meatloaf special last week, and yeah. people would walk in and look at the board, and they're like chicken meatloaf. But they've had our food before, so they give it a try, and every right. single person absolutely loved it. And so it's it's fun f- for us to see though that people are now now that they know we can get the staples down, they're they're willing to try our specials and realize we have really good food. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And so I guess what I'd like to wrap up with is I usually ask people, where where do you go in Rochester that's – where else do you go in Rochester? You know, what's your what's your takeout place? What's your – if you have a fancy dining place that you go to? Because I always, I always like to push that stuff a little bit, yeah, see what other sure. people like. Well, f- for me, between Rome and Blossom <laughs> – uh, you know, I got two different culinary teams that oh, yeah. make me a lot of different things. Uh, so I, I tend to try to find something that is not in their wheelhouse. So I end up going to Asian a lot or Mexican Absolutely. or Mediterranean, you know, things that, that aren't uh, reflective of, of the menus that of, of those two places. So you see me at Chen Garden a lot. I mean that that place. I I need to get to know that place better. I think I love it because Garden. yeah, oh, it's great. Because I mean, <laughs> I, I tend to I tend to edge more on the traditional side of Asian food, whether sure. it's Chinese or whatever. But I, I've heard they actually have a pretty decent selection of traditional dishes. Yeah, absolutely. But some of them may or may not be on the menu. I, I've seen that absolutely. You know what? This like the staff will be eating these really <laughs> exotic looking dishes oh that sounds like, fantastic nah, I'll try that. <laughs> yeah i want i want that right, i want what he's having yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think that's one of those things i like to ask at a place like that is yeah. you know what can you make me what you want to eat not what's on the menu or whatever right. you know whatever the americanized dishes are yeah i want what you want yeah, and then you get like a chicken feet and chicken heart soup <laughs> oh <laughs> that does sound delicious <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Marcus? What, um, what's your kind of places? I, I'm going to have to to go with Drew on that one. I tend to go towards Asian cuisine. Yeah. Me, my family and I are big fans of Aja Noodle. Okay. You know, just it's always sort of comforting. Yeah, then, I mean, it's 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 pan Asian. It's got a lot of different stuff going on. Right. And then there's uh the Dominican place in Henrietta. Dimangu. Yeah. I love that place. Yeah. And uh, something yeah, Rochester's I, something Rochester's very good at is we got some pretty good selection of Dominican and Puerto Rican restaurants, yeah. which I like. I love going to those places. Yeah, it's the best. Such good food. Like it, you feel like you're eating in their kitchen. Absolutely, and I think that's one of those things that you when you go there, you really feel that. Those in the Jamaican places, I love. They really embrace you when you come in. Right. Especially, I mean, you know, I go to a lot of those places, and you know, it's. I, I love learning about what they want to serve. I, I find that to be very intriguing. They're, they're serving what they want to serve. They're not serving me. Yeah. They're serving their people. They're serving the community. Right. And they don't change. They don't change what they're doing. Is there Americanized Jamaican food? God, I hope not. I mean, you run into a lot with, you know, like, like you said, with Asian restaurants. You see it all the time. Yeah. It's, 
sesame chicken and pork romaine. But, oh yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that's kind of the, the cool thing about you know things like Jamaican restaurants is that, like you said, they they serve their their audience and their audience is reflective of whatever cuisine it is. Absolutely, and I, I want to see that stuff on the menu. I want to eat curry goat. I want to yeah. eat cowfoot soup. I mean, that's that's what I want. So that's always exciting when I go in those places. What about you, Max? I'm not as adventurous as Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because you want to open a you know an Asian food truck. Right, right, exactly. Um, I'm a huge fan of Good Luck. Okay, sure. I, I love it. I feel, the whole vibe in there is cool. They Two Vine was first, but Good Luck kind of set that tone for a lot of the restaurants that followed. And always fantastic food there. Yeah, I mean, plus, you're right, the environment, too, kind of set that trend in, you know, the Industrial fine... design, like, yeah. s- good service, but not overbearing service. Uh, so it was it, interesting to see a lot of copycats come from that. Absolutely, and it, it did set that trend, too. It's got that, you're right, that industrial vibe. It's got the, you know, the bare light bulbs. It's yeah, got... Edison light bulbs. I mean, it's cocktails, but not overbearingly craft cocktails. Yeah. yeah. And it's weird now that you go around town, you kind of see all the places that mm-hmm. are essentially good luck. Right. Because, right. I mean, it's, and if they weren't completely original, of course, you know, New York right. restaurants had that vibe already, but we got it in Rochester. And they kind of pushed that craft cocktail scene forward and it made such a big impact. Yeah. Um, kind of push, and it pushed that bartender scene forward a little bit too. And I, I think that it translates not directly to, you know, translates to the appreciation of the craft cocktails, of the simple, of the classics that you guys are serving. And it also allowed for places like the Daily Refresher to come up with the huge selection of whiskeys, which I think then propagates into what you guys do and say, hey, we found an audience for this here. And now somebody says, hey, I love the scotch. I love this stuff. They've got another place to go to. Absolutely. Which is very cool. I'm young, but if... Ten years ago, you went to a neighborhood bar. It would be Budweiser, Bud Light, Blue Light, Blue on Draft, and Jack, a couple Jack and Captain, right? right. And right. that's it. And it'd be Captain and Cokes and Draft Domestics. The fact that a neighborhood bar that the Blossom Road Pub that we have can support the Scotch, the whiskey, and the craft beer selection speaks to that trickle down effect that Rochester has as a whole. People yeah. in Rochester really. Love good food, good drinks, good service. And Absolutely. If you can hit those three, you're going to be successful no matter what you open. Well, that sounds good. Well, let's let's get the plugs out, guys. So, who wants to do the plug for Blossom? Oh, looks like Marcus is up. <laughs> I'm up. Our leader, Blossom Road Pub, <laughs> best place on Winton Road. <laughs> k- k- kitchen. I love the enthusiasm. Kitchen, the, 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 one the, the main the main points that I like to make. Quincy and Jerome World Tour on Friday nights. <laughs> we have a lot of fun back there. The, the the main things I always stress to people are that the kitchen is open until one a.m. every night, and it's it's actually one a.m. It's not like twelve forty five. You know, you you can walk in at twelve fifty five and get anything on the menu. Yeah, uh, seven days a week, and the uh, the Blossom Road shots are. You know, kind of becoming part of our identity, certainly with the the three dollar shots. They uh, they change the change the mood a little bit for yeah. people. Sort of capture the audience. Yeah, I like that for sure. So location, obviously, Blossom Road in Winton, one ninety eight North Winton Road. Right. Where can they find you on the social medias? Facebook page, uh, Blossom Road Pub. Instagram, Blossom Road Pub. 
uh, email blossomroadpub@gmail.com. Consistency, I like it. <laughs> so you can also find me uh, at at Stromy on Instagram or Twitter, and Food About Town on Facebook or the website foodabouttown.com. Thanks for coming over, everybody. Thanks, Thanks for having time. us. Yeah, and if you're in the North Winton area, definitely check out Blossom Road Pub. It's uh, a great addition to the neighborhood. Thanks, Thank guys. Thank you.